0: Welding
1: instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Brett McKay here and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. When we think about people who can live anywhere, we tend to think about corporate-employed remote workers and online entrepreneurs. But many other kinds of professionals, from teachers to doctors, could hypothetically find a job anywhere and thus live anywhere they'd like. If you're what my guest Melody Warnett calls a anywhereist and have seriously or casually considered moving somewhere else, today we'll talk through the factors to consider in making that decision. Melody is the author of If You Could Live Anywhere, The Surprising Importance of Place in a Work-From-Anywhere World. And in today's conversation, we discuss the factors you should include in what she calls a location strategy, from the cost of living in a place to whether it allows you to build the kinds of relationships you're looking for. We also talk about how the place you live can be part of your purpose in life and the elements that contribute to an overall quality of life. After the show's over, check out our show notes at awmis slash anywhere. All right, Melody Warnick, welcome back to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Brett.
1: So we had you on a couple of years ago to talk about your book, This Is Where You Belong. And it's where you highlight this research about this idea of place attachment, where it's like why we feel like we belong to a place, why we like a place where we live. And you use that research to provide insights about how people can learn to love the place they live. You got a new book out, similar theme of, of place attachment, but it's called If You Could Live Anywhere. And it's all about picking a place you love so you'll you'll so you'll move there what made you explore this idea of how to pick an optimal place to live
0: so i'm kind of obsessed with the idea of place in general but even before the pandemic we kind of forget this but lots of people were starting to shift to remote work we were seeing towns offering you know $10,000 bonuses to people who were remote workers who would move there And so I started just noticing also that in my own hometown of Blacksburg, Virginia, people were arriving who weren't coming there for any particular job. It was just they could live anywhere and they had done some research and this was the place that they chose. So I I became really interested in how people were making those choices And then on the flip side, I was starting to, you know, speak with economic developers and chambers of commerce, you know, doing some speaking related to this is where you belong. And that made me aware of this whole underworld of community economic development agencies who are desperately trying to attract talent and retain them. And so I just became curious about that kind of connection between communities who want people and people who are looking for the right community to live.
1: Yeah, I hope we can talk about that because my our own my own town, Tulsa, is sort of on the vanguard of that of yeah. paying people to come to move here. But you make this case that a lot of jobs today are what you call anywhereest careers. What are your typical anywhereest careers? And then I, and then we'll talk about some of the surprising ones you think you wouldn't think would be in any, anywhereest careers.
0: So I think when people think anywhere, and that's just kind of the term I use for anyone who's a lo- location-independent worker in some way, we automatically think of remote workers. And that can be, these days, you know, almost anything. Writers and marketers and coders and podcasters and accountants and life coaches. A lot of jobs that didn't used to be remote have gone remote. Something like of Americans have the option of working remotely five days a week, and that's like 117 million Americans. So this is not an insignificant number of people, but anywhere are not just remote workers. I think of them also as just anyone who has Greater than average autonomy when it comes to choosing the place they live. So that could be a gig worker or a freelancer or an entrepreneur or a retiree. You know, maybe not your Broadway actors who, you know, are still tied to a specific place or your dolphin trainers, you know, who kind of have limited options where they're going to live. But the other part of this is that even if you're not a remote worker, a lot of people are kind of realizing, hey, I have one of those jobs that really can be done almost anywhere. They're teachers, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're builders, they're designers. So the jobs aren't necessarily portable, but a lot of people have kind of that anywhereest moment where they're making that choice about where to start the career or where to go next. And the answer might not be just any place, but you probably have more choice than you think, even if you're not completely location independent.
1: Right. So like a lot of jobs they are in demand everywhere? So I think you mentioned one person, she was a, like a reading specialist for elementary school teacher or yeah. kids. And so like, that's like an in demand job. And so she could just go, she could live anywhere. Like she could literally, and it, but it's tied to a specific place, but she could be any place.
0: Right, exactly. And and that's exactly what she did. She and her husband were living in Santa Cruz and realized that their careers were, you know, they they weren't exactly remote, but they could be done in a lot of different places. And so they did this huge road trip all over the country and explored lots of different places. Eventually settled in Graham, North Carolina, a small town in North Carolina not far from Greensboro, and in for the first time in their lives, they could afford to buy a house. And that meant that Janae could start a business baking sourdough bread. And so really that shift in location changed a lot of things about their lives.
1: Well, so what this makes us interesting, this is a different dynamic from maybe what our parents are used to. Your parents would just, they'd go to the, they'd move someplace because the job was there right? Like my dad moved to Oklahoma City. Yeah. So you had no choice. You had to make, you had had to learn to love the place you live, right? This is where you belong. Like the first book would be for that type of person.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I am totally on board with that idea and and that's kind of why I wrote the first book you know my husband got a job at Virginia Tech you know academics are one of those people that are kind of semi anywhere where they have moments of being able to choose but aren't entirely remote ever and and, you know there's this feeling of you only have so many choices you're going to go where the job takes you But I think for a lot of people, just our relationship, our expectation from our place has changed. I think exactly what you said. It used to be that people just they got the job and they went wherever the job was, and and that was it. And now there's some research that people who are graduating college choose the city where they want to land first and then they get the job. So, you know, being in the right place is the most important thing in that equation. And I think it's important for most of us, maybe even more than we think.
1: Well, this is a challenge though, because I think a lot of people who could work from anywhere, they don't take advantage of that because like choosing where to live, is just like, another thing to think about. And there's so many factors and it can overwhelm people. For example, my wife and I, we could work from anywhere, but we've been in Tulsa, Oklahoma for 16 years. We don't plan on moving anytime soon, probably ever. So why is it that, you know, are some anywheres game for moving? Because I'm sure there are there are people. You highlight people in the book. They you know, try different places, but others like us aren't.
0: I actually think that you're maybe the best case scenario. You know, I think when people all of a sudden realize that they have that freedom to move anywhere, that they are location independent, it's sort of this heady moment. Um, and people feel like, oh, we're wasting that if we don't move. But the reality is, you know, not everyone needs to move and you shouldn't feel like you have to. So I divide anywhere into kind of three broad groups. There are wanderers who are just people who really crave adventure. These are maybe more like digital nomads people who are who are trying out lots of different places and aren't in the, the mindset of really trying to settle any particular place. And then there are seekers who are a lot of the people I write about in the book who have that freedom to be location independent, and they want to make the most of it. They want to find the right place for them. And so they're sort of in that process of actively looking. But the third category is what I call settlers. And those are people who maybe have that freedom to move, but don't need it, because they're happy where they are. And, you know, in my mind, you know, I I wrote a lot in This Is Where You Belong about the value of putting down roots in a place. And I, I still think that that's True. If you're in a place that you love, that's serving you and your family, you've probably built up a lot of social capital there. There's no reason to just think, well, geez, my boss just came and told me that I can work 100% remote. So I need to find, you know, I need to find my new city. You find your new city if you are drawn to that if that's going to be something beneficial for you right now, but you certainly don't need to feel like you're some sort of, you know, remote worker loser if you decide not to do that.
1: So how do you figure out what kind of anywhere you are? Is it just sort of feeling like, well, yeah, if I just want to stay here, I'm a, I'm a settler.
0: Yeah. I tend to think it is just kind of your mindset around moving. And That can change throughout your time in a place. You know, for a lot of people, it's like, we really loved this city when we were young and single, and now we're starting to have kids and it's just not working for us quite as well as it used to. So we definitely go through, you know, we're not necessarily just one or the other permanently. We can move across these categories.
1: Well, if you are in a place where you can move anywhere and you think you might want to move, you recommend developing what you call a location strategy. And, and that involves thinking about going deep into you know, what's worked for you in the past, the kinds of places you're drawn to, and what elements of your life are the most important to you. That you're looking for in a community. For example, might be if you have kids, really good schools are important, or you want you know easy access to nature. And then you also recommend, you know, thinking about those deal breakers. You know, maybe you can't deal with a place where it's hundred degrees plus in the summer, or you know, you can't deal with like just a, a long bleak winter. It's gonna just grind you down. So those kind of factors, and then you think about in the book, you focus on some big overarching factors you might want to consider when you're developing your location strategy. So let's talk about some of those. The first one you talk about in the book is recognition. What do you mean by a community giving you recognition?
0: So it's kind of going back to that idea we were talking about where there is this whole effort at talent attraction and retention. So there are communities out there that want you. And it's sort of like an echo of what we might look for in our workplace, right? For people to be truly satisfied at work, they need to feel recognized and rewarded and appreciated for what they're doing. I think town's kind of, especially when we're location independent or remote workers, towns become our office. They're providing some of those things that we've always saw in our workplaces and towns can give us some of those. So I started thinking about, you know, what are the ways that towns sort of recognize us? And I think it starts with a community that is willing to welcome you. You mentioned Tulsa Remote, which I think is... The original program started in 2018 that started offering $10,000 to remote workers who were willing to relocate to Tulsa. And, you know, it was like BYOJ, bring your own job. And to date, around 3,000 people have done that and have brought, you know, all these economic benefits to Tulsa. And it's gone so well that dozens and dozens of cities across the country have started similar programs. So you have like Bentonville, Arkansas, that is offering $10,000 and a bike to ride on the mountain bike trails around Bentonville. Other cities are offering free land to build a house on or a, a discount if you buy a home here or will help you pay off your student loans. There's a website called Make My Move that catalogs these offers. So a town doesn't have to pay you to move there per se, to be a welcoming place. I talk about Iowa City and Cedar Rapids, Iowa, that created a program. It was called the Wingman Program. And if you were someone who was moving to the area, you would get matched with sort of a community mentor who would take you out to lunch, they would introduce you to a couple people they would maybe take you to a community event. So I really like to look at what our communities doing to show that they're welcoming places, that they're open to you, and that this is a place where you can settle in and build a life. And so that's kind of what I think about when I think about recognition in a community.
1: So you also talk about another factor to think about in your location strategy, and that's The cost of living, basically, right? How can living in a place make you feel wealthier? How can where you live make you richer?
0: So that is one of the, uh, probably the number one motivator behind mobility among location independent people is this idea that you can basically give yourself a raise by moving to a city with a lower cost of living. So, you know, for instance, if you're in San Francisco and your job is remote and your boss says, yeah, feel free to move anywhere and you'll make the same salary. If you move to say San Antonio, Texas, it's like getting a 200% raise because the cost of living in San Antonio is about 43% of what it is in San Francisco. So, you know, some companies do adjust salaries depending on where you live, but there are definitely places where your money will go farther and a good cost of living calculator online will tell you that. I think for most of us, you know, we're looking at home prices, which have skyrocketed in the past couple of years. And so the thought of moving to a community where, hey, I can afford to buy a home or I can save you know several hundred thousand dollars if i live in you know this small town versus the major big city that's a huge factor in quality of life right if you have all of a sudden a lot more spare cash a- and isn't just home prices either you know we we think about things like transportation costs or food costs healthcare entertainment fuel insurance we call this geographic arbitrage And that's a term for this way of kind of using your location to gain a monetary advantage. For a lot of people, that's simply something like moving to a a state that has no state income tax or moving to a state that has lower property taxes than you're used to. Some people even, you know, move to other countries. Uh, You know, if you are willing to go be an expat in Costa Rica or Portugal, you could have a really good quality of life for less money. And I think that is, you know, a huge factor for a lot of anywares.
1: Yeah, you saw this in the pandemic. A lot of people move from really expensive places, like from California, for example. That's the one you hear about in the news all the time, to cheaper places, because they're trying to take advantage of their jobs now remote because they had to go remote and they're going to go someplace cheaper.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, the side effect of that is that those Californians are driving up prices in places like Boise and Salt Lake. So it's definitely a double-edged sword.
1: Yeah, I'm always... I I love, you know, do, I do the Zillow thing. We're always comparing... Like, oh, you have a friend moving to California from Tulsa and you see what, you know, oh, how much does a pr- house go for in California? It's shocking. It's always shocking uh, <laughs> to me because it's like uh, this like tiny home that would be, you know, 150000 in Tulsa. It's like 700000 800000 sometimes a million like dollars. And like, if you move from California to Tulsa, you would be, you could buy a mansion for like what an average home would go for in California
0: well totally and people do you know like i remember we lived in ames iowa for 6 years my husband was in grad school there and we had friends who or they became our friends who moved from california to this you know little college town in iowa and they had the nicest house of anyone that we knew and i don't think it was that they were just rich it was just that they had owned a home in california and they sold it And they moved to Iowa and they were like, you know, we're millionaires now, apparently. (laughs) Um, You know, like there's this other thing that happens where we kind of create these anchor points for pricing based on where we live. And that's why when you're moving from one part of the country to another, it can be shocking, you know, the differences in prices, sometimes in good ways and sometimes in bad ways, you know, like... A really hard move if they moved back from Iowa to California just because the the pricing is so different.
1: All right. So if you're anywhereist, you've got some ways to make, make some money here. So first you got cities that are probably gonna pay you money to move there. Tulsa will pay you ten thousand dollars to move here if you're a remote worker. And if you're moving from California to Tulsa, you're gonna save a bunch of money on cost of living. So this is it could be you could it could be substantial.
0: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, as we've looked at remote workers and location independent workers making these choices, cost of living and affordability is number one for everyone. And I think that's probably even more true now after a year of inflation and crazy real estate prices. So it really is a huge factor when people think about where to live next.
1: Uh, Are there any calculators that you recommend checking out online off the top of your head that are pretty solid?
0: CNN.com has a good cost of living calculator. I think the New York Times has one. There's just a ton out there. And, you know... Don't put all your belief in a single cost of living calculator because those numbers do change. But if you're making this decision for yourself and thinking of moving to a place based on affordability, definitely take the step to really research for yourself, you know, how much am I going to pay for car insurance here? Or will I have to fill a boiler with oil at the beginning of winter? You know, expenses really can shift from one area of the country to another. You know, like you think of New Yorkers, one of the most expensive cities in the world, but a lot of them don't have a car. And so there are different things that can kind of balance out some of the expenses in different parts of the country.
1: We're going to take a quick break for your words from our sponsors. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. And now back to the show. All right, so another value to consider in your location strategy as an Anywhereist is connection. Uh, What do you mean by Connection.
0: So connection, I, I just mean relationships with other humans where you live. And that I think is probably the number one most important thing that people can have if they want to be happy in a place. If they really want to be a settler and, you know, find the right place and settle there, you have to have friends, where you live. Like people, towns have personalities, which can be hard to pick up on if you're just visiting. But you know, you think about who are the kinds of people you like to hang out with typically and where do you imagine meeting them? I've done some location coaching recently, you know, helping people make these decisions about where to live. And one woman I talked to, I think took a really great approach. She was considering Denver versus Bozeman, Montana, And so she would do visits to these cities and she would kind of strike up conversations in the line at the coffee shop. For her, a big thing is hiking and yoga. So she would go to the yoga class, you know, find a local yoga class. And then afterwards she would kind of like, try and talk to a couple people and invite them to go hiking with her. And, you know, if that was a success, that was a pretty good sign that she could find her people in this community. So I think, you know, for a lot of us making these anywhere moves, we're not necessarily moving to a place where we already have a lot of friends. Although some of us are, that's certainly something important to consider, but you know, When you're looking at a community, try and figure out where do you imagine meeting people? What are your entry points going to be to this community? I think also blind friend dates are great. You know, the internet can be an awesome place for friends, it doesn't replace in person friends in a new community. But I think it can facilitate that. So you throw out online, you know, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Hey, I'm thinking of moving to Rochester. Who do you know in Rochester? And you start having, you know, coffee dates with people. And that can kind of give you a sense of, will I be able to make friends here? Will I find my people?
1: Yeah. And so that's an important thing. You might move someplace and let's say you have an interest I don't know. I can't can't think of a hobby off the top of my head, like fly fishing. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just fly fishing. I did some fly fishing this weekend. But you move to a place and you want someone to fly fish with, but no one does that there. Well, I mean, you probably live with it, but it'd probably be better to move. If that's important to you, you might want to move someplace where there's an active, vibrant fly fishing community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of identifying that beforehand, like, oh, I really love to play rugby. Is there a group in this town or nearby that plays rugby? You know, like, those have been my friends in the past. And they don't necessarily have to be your friends in the future. But if that's something that's important to you identify if there's a community for that in this new place that you're thinking about and sort of find out how can I tap into that when I get there you know no matter where you go it's important to remember that moving sucks and you're you're very likely going to have a period of time where you feel a little lonely, and you know, it, there it's a process to make friends in a new community. But if you can give yourself that head start of, you know, I'm going to go to this yoga class, and I'm going to take my dog to this dog park. If you know that there's a few concrete things that you can do to try and make friends, I I think it makes you feel a little better about it.
1: Well, and speaking of communities having their own personality, you know, some communities might be like Mayberry. Right. And that's and you think, oh, this is great. But for some people, that might actually be bad. Cause like, ah, to them, it's like these bunch of busybodies up in my business. I just want to (laughs) be left alone. Like that's important too. Like it might be I'm going to move to this rural town, and like the sense of community is good, but it might not fit your personalities. You're more of a, a loner type.
0: Right. Yeah. And you know, you just might not be the small town person, you know, like towns sort of do a certain Activities. And one of the things I talk about in This Is Where You Belong, which is really about, you know, hey, you landed in this town, you hate it, here's what you do now, was learning to embrace whatever your town is good at. So, you know, the example for me is I moved to a college town, college football is really big here. So even though I don't care at all about football, I want to be into what my town is into. And so I have made an effort along those lines to sort of embrace football to, to a point. But if you can identify that beforehand, like this is what I love to do with my time. These are the things that interest me. You can kind of check out whether that's something that's happening in in your community, whether you think it's a fit. I I talk in the book about a woman who was on a road trip with her husband and they fell in love with this small Midwestern town that had really adorable homes that were affordable. And just kind of on a whim, they decided to move there. They bought a house. People were indeed friendly, but they just realized fairly quickly that they just didn't fit in. It didn't, it didn't feel like them. And so she became very focused about figuring out where are we going next, did a ton of research. You know, for her, it was important to be in a community that had yarn shops and movie theaters. And, you know, her she identified her dream place was Eugene, Oregon. So a, a far cry from a small town in the Midwest, but sometimes we have to have the experience that wasn't a fit to really... I identify what the fit would be.
1: What related to this idea of connection is is family or, you know, proximity to family. When you talk to people who are considering moving, is living by family a, a big factor?
0: It is for some people and it's not for other people. It's one of those things where for some people, that is the thing that they're trying to get closer to parents or siblings or, you know, maybe adult children. And for other people, it's more like, how far away can I get from these family members? We definitely saw that as a driver of moves during COVID. You know, I think that was an aha moment for a lot of people. I live on the other side of the country from my family and all of a sudden there's this, you know, pandemic that's going to keep me from having any contact with them for a long time. And studies have shown that almost half of Americans during COVID had some sort of reassessment moment of where they were living. And I have to imagine that family factored big into some of those decisions, you know, like having support as you raise kids or being near aging parents. So I I think there's also research that shows if you live within an hour of several family members, you're more likely to stay. So I think family should be a big consideration, at least a consideration in the sense of you need to decide really intentionally whether this is important to you to be near family. And, you know, it's okay to decide that it isn't, but it's something that everyone probably needs to weigh. My family... In our mobile years, never really prioritized living near parents and siblings. We ended up in Virginia. Most of our family is in the West, Arizona and Idaho and Utah. And I have to say that there's a little regret there, honestly. You know, my kids are teenagers and beyond. And every so often, they kind of complain about they didn't really know their grandparents really well, or they didn't really know their cousins. And, you know, we're always making trade-offs like that when we decide where to live. So, you know, that's a question to ask yourself. What are you going to regret most when you make a choice about where to live?
1: Yeah, it's a tough one because in my experience talking to people about this issue, it's like a the, the grass is always greener. It's like people who live away from their families, are like, oh, I wish, I wish I lived near my family. It'd be so great. You know, mom and dad could help out and my, you know, the, kids can know their cousins. And then the the people who live by their family, like, oh my gosh, I need to get away from my family. There's like so much drama and it's just crazy. I'm just tired of it. I need some space. It's hard to figure out. I think you don't know until you you actually do it.
0: Yeah. It it definitely is super complicated and it makes life complex. We actually had friends here in Virginia who just a couple months ago picked up and moved back near family, didn't have a job, just decided, This is the thing that really matters to us. And so far, based on what I've seen on her, you know, Facebook account, they're super happy with that decision. You know, they're doing dinners with parents and siblings and cousins are playing with each other. So, you know, maybe that's like the idealized honeymoon (laughs) phase of living near family. You have a couple months where you're just like, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden there's, yeah, the the drama and the angst of it. So it's not without its problems for sure.
1: Family is complicated. Um, complicated. So another factor is this idea, a community can help you feel a sense of purpose. How can that look in your life?
0: So that again, kind of goes back to this idea that, you know, our town can sort of provide us some of the things that typically we've looked for in our workplaces. There was a study that Adam Grant did with Facebook where they surveyed thousands and thousands of Facebook employees all over the world and asked them what mattered most to them in their job, what helped them be engaged and, and feel satisfied with their work. And it sort of boiled down to what I call the three P's profession, people, and purpose. So, profession just being people want to feel like they are good at their job, they're learning new things. People is you want to feel like you like your boss and your colleagues. But purpose was this category of people want to feel like the work they're doing hasn't an an impact in the world, that it's making some sort of positive effect on the world. And the reality is, how many of us have a job like that, right? (laughs) You know, like, That sounds really nice, but if you're a bookkeeper or a marketer, you may not find that sense of purpose in your work, but you absolutely can find it in your community. I think there's lots of ways where we can feel like we're having a positive impact in the world and we're creating meaning for ourselves when we get really deeply involved in a community. You know, we start volunteering for local organizations we build relationships in our community maybe mentor people we start a nonprofit or raise money or become a friendly neighbor really fairly simple actions that can help us remember sort of uh, what what we want big picture in our life
1: Right. So maybe you can look for a place if there's something that's really, like a, a cause that's really important to you. Like if, I don't know, conservation is really important to you. Maybe there's a, like a small town where that's, you know, sustainable farming is a thing where you can be around that and take part in it. Um think thinking like church, like that's a big part of people's purpose in life for a lot of people. And maybe you pick a place where there's a, a vibrant church community there, or maybe you go to a place where it, it's not that vibrant and you feel like you Can get things going again.
0: Yeah, that's actually a a really great point. That you know, one of the things that I do in the book is talk about. uh, I talk about a lot of small towns because that's kind of my my secret mission here is to make people give smaller towns a second look. I think a, a lot of them have a great quality of life to offer, but we don't need to move to places that are already perfect. And that can kind of be part of the purpose is choosing a place that needs you, you know, that needs your contributions to become even better. Not like you need to choose a place like, oh my gosh, this place is so crappy, I'm going to go fix it. But, you know, moving to a place with that mindset of contributing there instead of just expecting the place to magically meet all your needs.
1: Yeah, there's someone... Like, uh, in our congregation of church they're like, why did you move here? It's like, well, God said we should be here. And I'm like, that's... Mm-hmm. Like, do you have a job or anything? No, just we're going to be in Tulsa. And I'm like, that's bold. And it yeah, seemed, seemed to work I, out for him.
0: I, I've heard that story from a lot of people, honestly. You know, people who are spiritual or religious allow themselves to be drawn to particular places they maybe don't even know why but you know that's pretty common to feel like god called you to a place and i think that that's you know that's a real thing that we all kind of have missions in life that we're fulfilling and we fulfill them in our in our towns in in our cities it's the whole you know think globally act locally and so wherever you end up that's the local where you're going to act and where you have a chance to make an impact
1: so another factor is this idea of happiness what factors contribute to your happiness in a community
0: so I talked about affordability being something huge that a lot of Anywhere's are looking for. The second thing that Anywhere's are looking for is quality of life, which is a really sort of nebulous term that I like to describe as just your access to the things that make you happy on the daily. So we know that there are a few things that have been proven to, to make people happy in their places you know, people having social connections is a huge one. Walkability, people tend to feel more content in places that are walkable. There was a study um, uh, about a decade ago from the Knight Foundation in Gallup that found that the three most important factors to people feeling satisfied in the place they live, are aesthetics, social offerings, and openness. So, feeling like the place you live is beautiful, feeling like your place has things to do and people to do them with, and feeling like your place is welcoming. Those can make you feel happy. But again, those vary dramatically from person to person. You know, what, what I find beautiful in a place may not be what you find beautiful in a place. So, it's kind of becoming, you know, familiar with what that looks like for you. And I, I sort of think, you know, understanding what in your daily life will bring you joy. One of the stories I tell in the book is of a couple, Amy and James Hebden, who were living in Seattle. Amy started her own business and James joined her they could move anywhere and Seattle was really expensive so they started this process of looking around but their number one consideration was honestly chickens you know they really wanted to raise chickens they were excited about having the chicken kind of life and you know like having a, a garden and canning peaches and things like that that was really high on their list of what's going to make us happy in our daily life. And so they they ended up in a town in Tennessee and and are doing really well there. So I think if you can sort of identify, you know, having a place where I go every morning to grab coffee is going to make me happy or having a great library is going to make me happy. Those are kind of the quality of life factors that matter to you and that should be on your location strategy list for sure
1: yeah you talk about you highlight the mayor of paris texas she had an initiative to make it a 15 minute city where anyone you can get to anywhere in the city in 15 minutes whether by foot or public transit or bike I kind of like that's one of the things I love about Tulsa, is that you can get anywhere in Tulsa in about twenty minutes or less. You can get downtown in twenty minutes, have a great meal, and then get back home in twenty minutes. But then it's also I love the location because we've we're like really close to nature. But I'm still in the city. Like that's important to me. I would hate to live someplace where I'd have to drive hours to get someplace remote. But with Tulsa, man, we got everything. We got the Apple Store. We've got a big arena. Taylor Swift comes. But then I can go to the, the Ozarks if I want to.
0: Yeah. I love how you're selling Tulsa right I'm gonna now. Tulsa is like, great. This, this is what you do when you love a place, you know, you develop this thing called place attachment, which is just those feelings of being at home. And one of the signs of place attachment is actually, I like to tell other people about where I live. And so I love that you're doing that, Brett, like, Hey guys, Tulsa is the best and you should come live here.
1: Right. If you live in California, you can buy a mansion in Tulsa, and then <laughs> right. we'll go to the. Let's BOK get all the
0: Californians. Yeah, to relocate we to Tulsa.
1: We got the uh, the Riverwalk. We got like nice uh, trails along the Arkansas River. It's it's fantastic. So this is all all these factors are they're really abstract. Like you can go online and do some research in these different Facebook groups, but you you don't really know until you actually visit the place. Like how do you? Let's say you you you've created this spreadsheet of different places. Do you recommend just actually going there and kind of giving these places a test test drive?
0: Yeah, for sure. I don't recommend moving to a place that you've never been to, which I know happens. I, I met a, a woman who lives a couple towns over from me recently, and she moved during COVID. Was an Anywhereist could go anywhere in the world. And she and her husband got on Zillow and fell in love with a house and just bought it sight unseen and moved to the small town in Virginia. And when I met her, she was kind of like, we love the house, but, (laughs) but the town, not so much. So I think there's, you know, a, a high capacity for disappointment if you're just if you're doing that, if you're buying a home and you've never been there. So certainly I recommend that people visit, bearing in mind that being a tourist in town is not the same as living there. So, you know, I mentioned people who have done, you know, a month in each in different cities, or who have done a a road trip around the country. If you can Do if you can swing that, I think that's a great approach. Most of us can't. So I think, you know, doing a visit, kind of absorbing the vibe in a place is really helpful. Doing your research to figure out how much of the things you're looking for does this community offer. But I think kind of the addendum to that is that no matter where you live, you will almost certainly get to a point where you think you've made a terrible mistake. (laughs) It's almost inevitable. And that's because A, no town is perfect, and it may take you a hot minute to discover why, but B, it takes a while for us to fall in love with communities. Place attachment peaks about five years after you move somewhere, and five years is a long time to feel like you don't necessarily fit in. So I think, you know, we can choose to to be intentional about falling in love with the place that we've chosen even though, you know, once you move there you might discover some of those faults. And also, you know, none of these decisions have to be permanent. You don't have to stay in a place that turned out to be horrible for you. But I think you got to give yourself a lot of grace and you have to give your new community a lot of time. This is just a process, even, you know, no matter how carefully you've chosen, it just is going to take uh, a little while to really fall in love with that community.
1: Okay. So yeah, do a test run. I think I imagine the best way to do a test run is instead of staying in a hotel there, like do an Airbnb like in a home, right? So you actually feel what it's like to live, right? Cause like the hotel's usually off by the highway and it's different. Airbnb it for a week. If you can do a month, fantastic. And then yeah, give it time because it takes a while to get that place attachment. And then yeah, don't be afraid to course correct. I mean, you talked about that one family, they went to Iowa and they're like, we don't like Iowa or the Midwest, wherever they were. And they went to Eugene, Oregon.
0: Right, yeah. So you definitely can Course correct, but don't course correct too soon. You know,
1: okay. be
0: as intentional as you were about creating a location strategy for yourself and being really thoughtful about where you want to live. You should be just as intentional and thoughtful about settling into the place and trying to make it your home. So, yeah, I think doing a test run, staying in an Airbnb, trying to meet people, attending community events, eating at local restaurants instead of McDonald's, like living like a local would live, you know, a week isn't probably enough time, but it will certainly give you a sense of what life would be like in this place, which I think is what we're all imagining for ourselves. You know, what would it be like to live in this place?
1: Well, Melody, this has been a great conversation. Where can people go to learn more about the book and your work?
0: You can go to my website, which is my name, MelodyWarnick.com. And I have links to my books, This Is Where You Belong, and If You Could Live Anywhere. And you can also subscribe to my newsletter, which is all about place and why it's so important to us.
1: Fantastic. Well, Melody Warnick, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks so much, Brett. I loved it.
1: My guest today was Melody Warnick. She's the author of the book, If You Could Live Anywhere. It's available on Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. You can find more information about our work at our website, melodywarnick.com. Also check out our show notes at AOM.is slash anywhere, where you can find links to resources where we delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the A1 Podcast. Make sure to check out our website at artofmanless.com where you find our podcast archives, as well as thousands of articles written over the years about pretty much anything you'd think of. And if you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes of the A1 Podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to StitcherPremium.com, sign up, use code Manless at checkout for free month trial. Once you're signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android iOS, and you can start enjoying ad-free episodes of the A1 Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps out a lot. If you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member. Remember, you think we get something out of it? As always, thank you for the continued support. Until next time, is Brett McKay. Reminds you on listening one podcast, but put what you've heard into action.